This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So there are some stories uh, in doing this job where I will always remember where I was at when, right? Because the news is something that is unexpected. And that happened to me on Sunday afternoon. Went out for a, uh, a drive, a sandwich maybe, <laughs> a smoothie, anything. And all of a sudden it came across my uh, telephone that Ali Marpet, the Bucks Pro Bowl guard, was retiring, was announcing his retirement after only seven seasons in the NFL at age 28. I got to admit, Steve Versnick, I did not see that one coming. I didn't either. When I got the alert on my phone, I'm like, what, what, <laughs> who, you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, I could have seen like, look, if it was Donovan Smith. Sure. A little older uh-huh. that, but Ali Marpet, what? Seven seasons. Seven. Still what? 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Has $20 million left on this contract. 20.625 as a matter of fact. <laughs> I mean, he's made yeah. some good money. I think you told me he's made what thirty million so far. In his thirty, career? actually, I looked it up. Uh, about a little about thirty-seven and change, okay. or thirty-eight million. Yeah, obviously, really good money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it caught me off guard. So my, you know, my first thought was, mm-hmm. did his relationship with Bruce Arians sour? <laughs> um, now he's from upstate New York. Is this a ploy to force a trade to the Bills <laughs> as we get closer to the off season? We could play there, or perhaps. To the season. Yeah, um, as his wife told him, he's done enough now. He, I mean, he made all pro, or he made the Pro Bowl this year. So after yeah. winning the Super Bowl the year before, so what else do you have to prove? He's yeah. won a Super Bowl and went to the Pro Bowl. What else do you have to yeah. prove, Ali? So, I mean, those, those are my first thoughts. Was you know who who am I supposed to blame here? <laughs> it is funny that we we uh, automatically turn to that with Tom Brady and maybe some others, but yeah, it's and, and those are all questions you got to ask, right? Because it's not something that uh, you see in the NFL very often when a guy literally uh, coming off his best year at the top of his profession finally makes it to a Pro Bowl. Probably should have been in one before last season, and and so it turns out that his last game was the Pro Bowl that he danced with somebody else in on the defensive line because nobody actually played football uh, at the Pro Bowl in Las Vegas, but. Then you stop and you think, you just, you, you know, you pull back and you go, if you know Allie the way I know Allie, okay, it makes sense. It makes sense for him. It wouldn't make sense for many players. Certainly very, very few players decide with, you know, 20-something million dollars on the table and at the top of their game, especially offensive linemen who's, who tend to play, a lot of the Pro Bowl offensive linemen will play a minimum of 10 years, which is a long long season or career for anybody in the NFL, you know, which the average is around three and a half, four years. And then you think about Allie and, you, and, and knowing him, you know, the Hawaiian shirt wearing, ukulele playing, uh, you know, mom was in a, uh, in a band called uh, Housewives on Prozac. Dad is a renowned, uh, one, of the, one of the most well-known uh, fashion photographers in New York City, Bill Marpet. And, 
he was a union rep. He was a guy that started the the Bucks, uh, you know, social player, social initiative. He just has so many different interests, and he's he's he does kind of walk to the strum of his own ukulele. He's a little different. He's kind of a different cat, you know. And I and it makes so much sense to me when I when I took a step back. Now, I will tell you that I wasn't the only one, and probably a lot of the Buck fans weren't the only ones. And let me rest assured that Jason Light and, and Bruce Arians did not have this on their bingo card. Okay, <laughs> what could happen this off season? Tom Brady quits. Oh yeah, that was on there. And frankly, they're still not ready to you know put the big X in that box just yet. Um, you know, lose a couple free agents. Sure, that that's on there. But Ali Marpet, that was not something they saw coming. And so they've been talking to him, from what I could gather, for the last week or so, just to make sure he thought of everything. Now, he did them sort of a favor in that he let them know prior to the start of free agency. You know, we're only a couple weeks away from that. I think the the so-called legal tampering day is March 14th, where you can make deals with other teams, free agents, and then you, you can announce them or actually consummate them on the 16th of March around 4 p.m., so he let them know, hey, uh, this isn't going to be good news. You look at this team now, <laughs> and this all ties into Brady. It ties into everything, right? Because at the end of the day, if if Tom Brady was thinking it's going to be hard to build a team that can win for me, it's even more so now because they already had Ryan Jensen, their center, who was a free agent. And for my money, I thought Jensen's one of those guys that they probably couldn't afford to pay if he gets a better offer elsewhere. He should take it. They also have Alex Kappa, their starting right guard, who's a free agent. So they already had two uh, offense, starting offensive linemen that were free agents. Now you're losing three-fifths of your offensive line. All you have left is Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs. Now those are really two big, great pieces, right, that you have coming back. Um, and even, like, the next best offensive lineman that plays guard is Aaron Stinney, who's also a free agent. So, you know, even the backups to Ali Marpet and others – aren't signed, sealed, or delivered right now. But this is a huge blow, you know. But he was such he's such a great story. Um and I and I talked to his dad, who by the way, and Bill, if you chances are you've seen Bill somewhere over these years that Ali has been playing, if you've ever gone on a Bucks road game or maybe even at home. Uh Bill Marpet's he's a he's a fascinating guy. And I'm telling you, he's at the top of his of his industry as a fashion photographer. Goes to, you know, um Fashion Week and Europe and Paris and all of that, and photographs, you know, runway models, or you name it, and been doing it for years and years. He's he's got gray hair. He's got kind of he's got kind of a ponytail, um, and you'll see him wearing Ali's jersey at games. And he even had one that was like half red and half pewter, you know, that sort of thing, or half white and pewter, whatever. So he's a colorful guy. Um, his mom, who I wrote a story about Ali when he was you know first here and drafted. Uh, was you know, sort of a, a punk rock band, Housewives on Prozac. Um, she used to drive him to school in this car that said that. It was, you know, it's it's a very colorful family. His brother and his sister are down here. They all live in St. Pete. And, and Bill, his father, bought a house. He says it's kind of like a compound that we have over there. And, the, and they're going to continue, you know, uh, his dad's in New York half the time, but they're going to continue to live there. So, so Ali's just kind of a different, you know, he's a different cat. And when you consider, you know, what it takes to play that position or to play in the National Football League, he came from Division Three Hobart College, folks. He's the highest drafted Division Three player in the history of the NFL. 
He was taken, I believe, in the second round. And he made this impact at the Combine one year in 2015. He was invited to – actually, he was invited to the Senior Bowl. After uh, they saw him in, I think, the East-West Shrine, they invited him to the Senior Bowl, and he lit it up. And the Bucks got him, like, Division Three. We're like, what? Hope? We're, we're all looking – where's Hobart, right? We're all thumbing up that. And he played tackle, I think, in, in college. So they moved him inside, and he started first at right guard as a rookie. And literally, I remember his first day of practice, you knew something was going to be special about this kid. So he's going up against, in his first reps of padded practice, he's going up against Gerald McCoy. And Gerald McCoy is in his prime. He's five years into his, into his uh, career. And so on the first play, McCoy kind of, you know, Bull, didn't bull rush him, kind of like used his hands and you know, he's got a quick get off and kind of went right by Marpet. And you're thinking, oh boy, you know, this is going to be an interesting uh, battle, you know, because the kid coming from Division Three, how is he going to be able to hang with NFL talent, much less a Pro Bowl player like, like Joe McCoy in practice? The very next play, the very next play, Marpet comes off the ball and puts McCoy on his butt. Like, absolutely pancakes him to the ground. And we're all like, ooh, ooh, wow, I've never seen anybody do that. Like, never seen anybody do that in practice to McCoy. And then it was on. And Gerald had such respect for him. I know he weighed in on um, social media as well. But there's, you know, there wasn't much to it. I mean, I, you know, I talked to his dad, who was very emotional. His dad, you know, now that the news was out in final, he was, he was, he was kind of crying. He was a little choked up about it. And, you know, he's obviously going to miss seeing his son play. He's going to still watch the Bucks and things like that. Um, but he just said, you know what? He goes, as much as I could tell, um, he said, I think he just wants to be healthy. I think he wants to live a healthy life. And he goes, you know, I've had conversations with a lot of players after games and parking lots, this and that. And he goes, you know, I think a lot of players would love to do what Ali is doing. And for those reasons, he says, but, you know, what I think he's doing is courageous. He called it courageous. And, you know, in thinking about that, you really have to take a step back and go, you know what? He's probably right. You know, how many of them continue to play? And the money's so good and this and that. And, you know, look, if you can play 10 years, you want to play 10 years or 12 years, that's up to you. But I think we forget the price that these guys pay. You know, they're the big guys. They don't get a lot of notoriety. Um, but, you know, when you're banging your head against another man every single play because you play on the offensive or the defensive line, that takes a toll, you know, from the head down. And a lot of these guys, and I think Marpet's going to be one of them, when these, some of these offensive linemen that you see that are over 300 pounds, they're not – Ali's a big guy. He's got huge shoulders. He's, you know, he's six foot, whatever. Um, he's a big man. But I also see these guys, as soon as they quit playing, they don't have to eat. I mean, the amount of food some of these guys, like Tristan Warps and others, have to eat just to stay 300-something pounds, it's unhealthy. It really is. Um, the calories that they have to intake, they have to do that every single year, you know, to stay over 300 pounds. All that takes a toll on your body, on, on, on the long-term health of you. I, I haven't talked to Ali directly about, you know, that, that aspect of it. But I think he's going to be one of these guys you're going to see in six months. He's going to weigh 245. And you're going to go, wow, 
do you look different? You know? So it's, there's a lot of reasons, man. I mean, we can't, everybody's different, but man, it, 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 it's one of those I always remember where I was because it, I didn't see that coming. And it's just one more hole this Bucks team has to fill too. When you look at from the Bucks mm-hmm. perspective now, you know, statements from Bruce Arians and Jason Light, very supportive of them as they should be. And, yeah. and you know, the guy makes a decision for the best interest of him and you have to respect that and, and appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but it, it now it adds another hole for the Bucks this year. I mean, mm-hmm. that's now two of your three Pro Bowl offensive linemen could be off this roster. Right, right. You know, when you had three of them make the, the Pro Bowl this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big change up front for the Buccaneers. It's huge. And they don't really have somebody – I mean, they don't have guys that can replace them. Now, Robert Hainsey is a guy they drafted from Notre Dame. I think he's going to play center. In fact, I think that's the plan. Uh, if I had to, if I was just handicapping like who they would resign, Jensen was not on my list very high because I, I just think Jensen at his age, um, this would be his second big free agent contract. The Bucks gave him the first one. I would think that he might move on because they drafted Robert Hainsey a year ago. He played a little bit as an extra offensive lineman in some games. They're very high on him. He's, he plays center, played tackle in college, but he plays center now. So I could see Hainsey stepping into the center position. And like I said, Stinney is probably their next best guy um, that is also a free agent, so you'd have to bid with other teams to get him back. But he may not cost you, you know, because he hadn't started a ton of games. But he started, you know, he's the one that started the last uh, three playoff games and the Super Bowl for the Bucks because they had an injury. And, um, you know, he had, he had to step in and play when Alex Kappa broke his leg. And then you have Kappa. And I think Kappa's one of those guys you could resign. Uh, I think... I think there's a good likelihood that maybe they can get something done with him. Although, again, as a free agent, he can he's free to sign with any team, and it just takes one offer. And the Bucks don't have a ton of salary cap room. They're going to save a little bit of money on on Allie, who had renegotiated his deal to create salary cap room for them. And so, there's a dead salary cap value right now of seven point one five zero million. So it's not as if all of his you know ten million dollars or so. Um, 10.347 or something like that that was guaranteed um no he had a, i guess he had about 10 million dollar con- uh 10 million dollar base salary this year so you're going to save 3 million or so there but what they'll do is they'll wait till after June 1st like they were with Brady and then put him on the retired reserve list and they can spread that dead cap money out um so there's a little bit of savings there in the in the salary cap but not so much that you wouldn't rather have the player uh, quite honestly and it's it's tough, man. Like this Buccaneer twenty twenty two season is is a dark and and stormy place right now. And I don't know. Uh, I was talking to one official with the Bucks today. He goes, "You know what? This sets up nicely for Jason Light to become the general manager, the executive of the year, <laughs> because man, does he has his work cut out for him, right? You've got all these free agents, you know, starting with guys like Chris Godwin." And they have to make a decision on the franchise player tag by May 8th, uh, or May 8th, March 8th. Then you go to Carlton Davis. And then you have Rob Gronkowski, who I suspect will retire any day now, certainly before free agency. And, you know, then you got guys like, you know, JPP and, and Jensen, we mentioned, and Kappa. And, you know, and you go down the list. How about Jordan Whitehead? There's just so many players that are in this uh, free agent pool. And there's no way they can re-sign them all, including Blaine Gabbert. And the biggest thing the Bucks have to focus on is 
regardless of who's protecting the quarterback, who the hell is the quarterback? Right? Like, exactly who is that guy going to be? And I'm going to be at the Combine later this week on Tuesday, and Bruce Arians and Jason Light are going to go to the podium, and they're going to talk about this offseason, and now they got something to talk about with Marpet. How does this change the draft for them now? I was convinced, picking 27th, it's a crapshoot anyway, right? The whole first round is about 50% bus rate. But if you're picking 27th, you're not getting the cream de la cream. I was thinking that the Bucks' biggest need was receiver, you know, because even if you lock up Godwin or franchise him, you don't know how his ACL is going to respond if you're going to have him the first part of the year. Uh, you have Mike Evans going into his ninth season, I believe. Who else do you like? Do you like Tyler Johnson? What has he done? Do you like Scotty Miller? Uh, and so I could see receiver because they had to play with Brashard Perriman and they had to play with Cyril Grayson. I could re- see receiver being one of the number one needs. Now, hell, I, I almost think it's interior offensive linemen. I mean, you know, barring re-signing a couple of those free agents, you know, I, I'm not sure you, you don't have five guys to line up. You have two. And if you want to say Hainsey's the center, okay, cool. But what kind of player is he going to be because he hasn't played? So this is problematic. Um, and we haven't even talked about the defense with Ndamukong Sue. Um, you know, there, there are so many question marks in this offseason already. And this one, this is the one where you go, whoa. Okay, that might be the bridge too far. And now, how does that affect free agency? You know, let's be honest. A lot of these guys that came here, Gronkowski, um, you know, Antonio Brown for sure, picking up Leonard Fournette on waivers, a lot of that was because of Tom Brady. A lot of that was because they knew that Tom Brady was the quarterback and they had a chance to win, go to a Super Bowl, go deep in the playoffs, whatever. Well, now, not only do you not have Tom Brady, what kind of a football team do you really have? Do we know the Bucks, regardless of who the quarterback, have enough to be competitive for an entire season? Um, you know, again, and they're going to get some of these guys back. There's no question about that. You, you probably likely get Carlton Davis. You likely will get, uh, you know, Chris Godwin if you want him. Uh, perhaps Jordan Whitehead. But some of these, you know, we like for example, is Indomitian Sue going to retire? Is he going to play? Is JPP going to play? Uh, is there any room for JPP? I don't think there is with Joe Tryon Shoinka. They still have players. They still could win the NFC South, but. Man, this just, you know, this could affect who you attract. For example, if you're Russell Wilson, and I don't know that I am still firmly believe that Russell Wilson won't be traded, but let's say you're Russell Wilson and you have a no trade clause, right? And you get to more or less if if the Seahawks and you agree to be traded, you more or less get to veto any place they want to send you. What do you think of Tampa Bay now? When you don't know what who the three offensive linemen in front of you are. You know the tackles and they're pretty good. But you have no clue who the three offensive linemen are. Does that change where you want to go? Do you t- do you cross Tampa Bay off the list? So it's really interesting what just happened, and it's not good news. It just is not good news because Ali, Ali's one of those guys too that like he was a pros pro. You know when you hear that thrown around a lot, but he was somebody that really was part of some lean tough years, right? especially when he got here in 2015. That was Jameis Winston's first season. They went through some trials and tribulations there, really the whole five years that Jameis was here. They had one winning season. And he played well, and he played steady. He got moved around. All 103 games that he played in, he started. 
you know, he had some injuries in a couple seasons that forced him to miss a few games, you know, here and there. But he never complained. Uh, he went to work hard every day. He got better every year. He earned his money. And once he got the big contract, he didn't, he didn't back down. He didn't get soft. He, didn't, you know, he kept getting better. He got better and better every year until he was just so solid and reliable that, you know, when you're inside playing like that in front of the quarterback, you can't – it's really hard to put a value on it in terms, you know, beyond what you're paying the guy. But he, he was a leader. He, you know, the social uh, justice program. Like he has a lot of interests outside of football, and he's, he's very active in the community. He says he's going to continue to remain here in St. Petersburg and Tampa Bay. He didn't plan on moving. He's going to be big, I, I think, in community uh, endeavors as well. So we're not, we've not heard the last of Ali Marpet, but we've seen the last of him, I think, on the football field. Well, it's really sad um, and not a, good, not a good development for the Bucks for sure. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, Steve Versnick, so you were at the biggest event that I've seen in hockey involving Tampa Bay since their Stanley Cup runs because while that is, you know, the ultimate, right, the Stanley Cup playoffs, Stanley Cup finals that they have won the last two seasons, you can't really compare anything to that. But as events go, like you knew this was something unusual, right, because they've been having these winter classics and and the lightning have not been involved in one until now. And they have this one in Nashville, which is kind of interesting because it's not exactly, uh, you know, the Northern, uh, you know, Northern hinterlands, Mm -hmm. but my goodness, there was a ton of blue and, and to, to fill, I think I saw the attendance was somewhere upwards of like 66, 68,000, 68,100 and change. Yes. Good Lord. That's a lot of people to watch a hockey game. And a lot of Lightning fans in town. Uh-huh. You could tell in the, the war, I mean, you could see, particularly behind the Lightning bench and throughout, a mm-hmm. lot of white and blue. And the Lightning mm-hmm. were wearing their whites. And, and, mm-hmm. and just so everyone knows, you and I both, uh, in honor of these stadium series, are wearing our uh, Canadian tuxedos today for this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I ever owned one of those Canadian tuxedos. I know that I had a denim shirt. And I know that I obviously have some skinny jeans somewhere, but I don't think I ever had that that uh, denim jacket or the bolero tie or whatever the hell they were wearing. Did you hear the story that Corey Perry told uh, the, right before the game? Mm-hmm. They were asking about the the Canadian tuxedos, and they asked him, you know, who wore it best, and they're you know they're asking all these questions, and and Corey Perry goes. Well, just look at Pat Maroon's jeans, who was sitting next to him. <laughs> he goes, Pierre Edward Belmar said. I'm French, and I've never seen jeans that tight before. <laughs> That's awesome. Say, who painted those on, Pat? Yeah, it was pretty uncomfortable. It looked uncomfortable anyway. But they had a, a good dude. time with it. They, I mean, you know, that's part mm-hmm. of the fun of these events is they do yeah. so many different things. And, um, you know, when the team left the hotel, the amount of Lightning fans there and then greeting them at the stadium and taking the, the bus ride on the tractor and – 
you know, it's just the, the teams have fun. The, the Predators dressed as outlaws for their entrance and stuff, and, and it's a lot of fun. But, man, were there a ton of Bolts fans there. And you can yeah. tell during the introduction. So when they introduce the starting lineups, Nashville's one when they, they'll say, you know, all right, starting at uh, forward, here's number 18, Andre Palat. You know, they'll you know, you suck. And they, they have a chant that they do after every one. You see that in basketball a lot and stuff. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden they said, you know, number 86, Nikita Kucherov. And you heard, Koo! <laughs> and, and they weren't booing because right after that, all the Nashville fans yelled, you suck. <laughs> so you knew that it wasn't the booze. It was actually the, the, cooch. The coochies cheer. were yeah. actually cooch. Yeah. yeah, it was a cooch cheer. Um, but man, was that a fun That's event. the one thing through through the TV like that's the one thing like you had to be there because of the audio you know in an arena the audio's i don't know much more you're close to the ice and the mics are close but because it's a football game or a football stadium it was hard you got a much better sense of the sound right like what was the sound for a hockey game that has 68,000 people i can't imagine how how deafening that must have been when something great happened. Well, it was uh, actually the concerts were more deafening. Uh, they were playing okay. concerts between every commercial break. Uh, yeah, I saw that different country artists, which was actually really cool. Yeah. Um, although you know when the speakers are pointed right at you, you're trying to broadcast. It's a little <laughs> tough at times. But um, it, it's it's weird though because there, there's all that sound, but you're so far away from the rink. Yeah, yeah. Like and it's weird for the players because they're not on top of you. Like you know they're so used to that. Yeah, um, as a player, but I mean, you couldn't wipe the smile off those Lightning players' faces from mm-hmm. before the game at the practice on Friday night, uh, and all their families are there with them, and they do a family skate after the practice Friday, and that. I mean, it was just a cool event that these players, you know, when you're hearing Steven Stamkos go, this is one of the best things in you know my career, mm-hmm. and, and everything he's done. He was obviously the Stanley Cup in that, but I mean this. I mean, this game, this is what you – and this is the 34th Stadium Series game, and the Lightning finally get one after they've been to three Cups in the last seven years. They got left out somehow there. Mm -hmm. I don't know how that happened, but – You could tell. The only teams not to get Cups or uh, not to have Stadium Series games, not to host necessarily, but just to have one. Mm -hmm. Seattle, who's obviously an expansion team. Florida, Arizona, and Columbus Blue Jackets for some reason have it. Hmm. But, I mean, every other team has been in a stadium series game. Now there's only four wow. that haven't. There was five before the Lightning. So, Wow. But they finally got their uh, just due, and they went out and went, won the game. Yeah, and it was and what a game it was. Of course, I didn't know a lot about uh, Nashville, or I should say, what what do they call it? Smashville? Is that what they were That's calling what they it? call it, and they try to live up to that. <laughs> they do. They going into the game. I saw a stat where they led the NHL in fights. They had thirty-three fights up to that point, and there were not there were no shortage of fights. And I thought for a minute, I thought maybe the Lightning were getting a little too caught up in this that they were kind of letting you know Nashville play their game, and that was to get under their skin and get penalties and power plays and things like that. But the Lightning scored on their power plays. Nashville did too. Um, but man, it was there was it was intense. Like, you could see these guys knew it was a big event. They played it like it was a big damn deal, you know? Um, and, and, of course, they, there was all the adrenaline of all the fans and the fact you're playing outside, which can affect, I would think, depth perception. And they were talking about whether the goalies could really see the, the puck as well and stuff like that. But it was, it was really a, a quality, quality hockey game, you know, that was right there for either team right at the end. It was really good. No, it was a very entertaining game. Uh, 
you know, and that hit to Chernak early in the game kind of set that Ooh. tone. Yeah. Um, I, I I thought that should have been a five-minute major. Uh, they reduced it down to a two-minute. Uh, Phil Esposito thought that was the right call. I, I didn't think so, but, um, you know, that's a nasty hit. And then he came back but then didn't come back out after the first period, which mm-hmm. that's usually not a good sign. Right. When you try to come, you come back out and play and then don't come back out after the next intermission. Uh, and See, and I he's thought been you, so banged up this year. I thought if you left your skates, if you launch, right, mm-hmm. and, and catch a guy in the head, even though he didn't throw his elbow at him, but he kind of caught him with his shoulder in the head, I thought lo- the, the act of launching yourself into a guy's head is what they're trying to eliminate in the NHL. That's why I thought it should have been a five-minute major. Yeah. You know, had he Me just too. hit him. Okay, it's a, that's a penalty, but he launched. He did yeah. lift up and left his skates. Yeah, and to me, that's that should be a five. If you want to, you truly want to protect the safety of the players. That should have been a five minute major. That's that's what I believe, and yet, and this is my conspiracy theory. It was such a big event, and mm-hmm. kind of like a not a playoff game, but kind of ref- officiated that way, if you yep. will. Yeah, I don't think it, they wanted to call the five. Minute. They didn't want it early in early in that game. They weren't going to penalize a team for the five. I mean, the five minute major mm-hmm. conduct. You know, I mean that that would have been a bridge too far for them over the Cumberland River. <laughs> so. it's, it's very possible that was that went into that decision slightly. You know, I mean, I, I think there's a line that they would have said, okay, it is a five minute major, but yeah. But, yeah, in that early in that game, too, I don't think they wanted to do that. Yeah. So, pretty neat event. And um, it was in the 30s, right? I mean, this is the thing. Like, you, I didn't know exactly what kind of weather to expect in Nashville. It was this. perfect. It was yeah. 41 degrees and getting colder. Okay. Um, and the ice, I mean, the, the temperature isn't the biggest factor in that. I mean, oh, okay. I mean, they're in an arena, and the temperature in the arena ain't 34 degrees when you That's walk true. in there. That's true, yeah. Um, humidity affects that. Some of the rain would have been bad, and it started raining. When we left the stadium, it was raining. Oh, wow. That night, and it had rained most of the week leading up to. Okay. And rain is, they can play through snow. Yeah. They can't play through heavy rain or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the weather was actually, the NHL couldn't have drawn the weather up any better for the game. 41 degrees, getting colder, uh, but no precipitation. It was uh, a fabulous event. And I, I, you know, seeing pictures on all over social media from Bolts fans there and talking to people I knew that were at the game as fans. I mean, everyone had a blast. Well, all the pictures leading up to the game on Broadway and then after the game, I thought it was cool. I guess the, they must have stayed over at night because the players were talking about, hey, we're going out. <laughs> yeah, they went. They, they, they did go out. They, the flight went home Sunday. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the families and the players, all that, they, they stayed overnight. So the players had a pre-arranged event somewhere uh, on Broadway. I believe it was at Tootsie's. But. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. It Pretty was. Pretty cool evening. And now they're on a stretch or going to get on a stretch where they play about every other night. 31 games in 60 days starting Tuesday. Man, that's just incredible. But as we speak in the standings now, and they got two points from that game, which is something John Cooper kept talking about. Mm -hmm. They are now just one point behind Florida to lead the division, and they've got two games in hand on the Panthers. Mm. Panthers have lost a couple in a row here. Oh, okay. And all of a sudden, the Lightning have a better win percentage than the Florida Panthers now. I mean, it's not, you know, they proved it's not the most critical thing to, you know, no. finish first in your division. But if, if you can get there, why not? Right? Well, here's the thing. And, and 
I don't think it. They, they need to finish first, but the three teams in their division, Florida, Tampa Bay, Toronto, who are all really close to each other in the standings, two of those three have to face each other in the first round. Hmm. If you finish number one, you're going to face either Boston or Washington probably. Great point, yeah. And those are good teams too, but I don't think as good as Florida or Toronto. That's so if you can point. get the number one, I don't think you need to win the President's Trophy. Just finish number one in your division. Yeah. But if you don't, I mean, the Lightning proved last year they're okay with that. Mm-hmm. And the, the the biggest thing is the Lightning are, what, 19 points ahead of the cl- playoff cut line with two games in hand over the Blue Jackets? I mean, they're almost at this point guaranteed a playoff spot with 31 games right. to go. Right. It's just a matter of staying healthy. And mm-hmm. along those lines, Kucherov had one of those, you know, perfect passes to Braden Point on the power mm-hmm. play. I've seen that play. I bet I've seen that play 15 times. Okay. But it was interesting because I'm watching on TNT and I'm trying to think of uh, who the broadcasters Kenny were. Kenny Albert I mean, and Eddie Olchek. Yeah, it was Kenny Albert. Yeah, and Eddie Olchek. They made it sound like they've never seen such a such a pass in their life. Like, it was an outstanding play. Cooch does that all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, it's one of those things where they saw it and, and they were couldn't stop raving about it, and rightfully so. But Point and him worked that all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, they're just lethal. When you get those three out there with heaven at the point and you got Stamkos over there with a the one-timer and you can't cheat one side or the other, Cooch just makes so many great plays. He's such a such a lethal weapon from the just the way he sees the ice and sees the game, man. It's just it's phenomenal watching play. Well, the power play, I mean, generally a power play runs through the point man, Victor mm-hmm. Hedman or, you know, the defenseman. Yeah. yeah. The Lightning's runs through Nikita Kucherov. Which is yeah. why last regular season the power play was good, wasn't mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. Um, early in this season, with Cooch being out, it struggled at the times. Yeah, big time. It struggled yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it runs through Kucherov and his creativity. There is not yes. many players in the game that are as creative and see the ice the way he sees it. Mm-hmm. It's incredible watching him play. And and people, you know, when you don't see him play every day, Kenny Albert, Eddie Olchuk. You know, they marvel at those, and it was a tremendous pass. But well, but we see it a lot more than they do. Yeah. And we yeah. know that he's capable of that. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't go in, if the pass doesn't end up in the net, it doesn't get shown on NHL, t- you know, network True. or ESPN, so they don't see it. Mm-hmm. But how many of those passes do we see all the time from Cooch? And, and that's why, you know, him being out all last season was a concern for the Lightning, and, and him being out early this season was, is that – the Lightning's offense, particularly that power play, is so different when he's on the ice. Yeah. No, he was terrific. It was, it was great entertainment and great fun. And wish I was there. I, I know so many people that went and they had such a great time. And well, Broadway was, was packed com- with Bolts fans. Oh, yeah. Early on. Out there tell. Friday night down on mm-hmm. Broadway. And it was just incredible the amount of Lightning gear. You and saw. you know what? Good for Lightning fan because, I mean, you could have filled an arena and then mm-hmm. some. Um, with just the people that traveled, right? The people mm-hmm. that came from the Tampa Bay or Florida or wherever they came from that were Lightning fans. that That's just a great sign, right? I mean, they're two-time defending Cups champions. I know two in a row. They've won it three times overall. But um, <clears throat> Tampa Bay is a hockey town. <laughs> it's undeniable. And we've been spoiled with these teams and these championships. But they have they are a great organization with a solid, solid following and, uh, you know, Congratulations to them for building that because um, 
you know, when you used to talk about hockey in in uh, in the Sun Belt, it, people look at you like it was fun, like you were funny. But well, that's the amazing thing about sixty eight thousand f- fans, and it's Nashville and Tampa Bay. Yeah, non traditional yeah. hockey markets. Yeah, how about that? And you know what a what a performance, and Nashville did a tremendous job putting that on the NHL. Uh, yeah. Just, just awesome event to be. I'm glad I got a chance to to go and work it. Yeah, no, it would have been great to be there. I wish I could have experienced that. Well, congratulations to Scott McLaughlin. You are the Grand Prix of Saint, the Firestone Grand Prix of Saint Petersburg's winner. After, um, you know, a- after kind of a struggling year a year ago, mm-hmm. he uh, he finishes first in uh, in his first full IndyCar season. Um, he never qualified higher than fifth, but and he got on the podium once. Twenty uh, eight year old uh, from New Zealand um, wins the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg from from the pole, and he uh, held off uh, Alex uh, Palo, I guess, uh, who was second. Will Power was third, and it's his first IndyCar victory for McLaughlin. And it was the uh, I guess Team Penske's won eleven Grand Prix uh, Grand Prix races down here. But the big news, Steve was, um, I don't know if you knew, this was presented by RP Funding, and it was going on from February mm-hmm. 25th through the 28th. I heard something about that. But apparently, people called that website about tickets and information, gpsaintpete.com. Mm-hmm. Because what was the attendance again? They said it was up 40% from 2019. <laughs> the power of the... of. Of Sports Day Tampa Bay's podcast, I'm, I'm taking full credit for that. Yes, all of it, all of it, absolutely. I know it's been here 18 years. I know this was the 18th annual because I said it every day for the last month. But still, man, I if you're up 40, percent I think we take all 40. I think we take all of it. Now I'll say about 35 percent of that was us. All right, that's fine. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. 35 percent for the three reads that we did a day. So yeah, I'm kind of sad that we can't we start start broadcast start uh, advertising next year's Grand Prix. What event wants us uh, read reads every uh, show going forward? Come on, call us up. Yeah, let's go. We got plenty <laughs> plenty of time to talk about it. Hey, it was a it was a Chamber of Commerce day. A little warm for my taste, but it was it was a perfect day. Um, you never know, like in late February, early March, what you're going to get. But uh, yeah, it, yeah looked, it, it looked great on TV. I got to catch a little bit of it when I got home. It was already underway. Oh, it looks so beautiful, right? It was awesome watching it on t- television. Yeah. It just, uh, St. Petersburg, the waterfront and, and all the yachts and just, man, it was gorgeous. So Yeah, it was great to thaw yeah. out when we landed here. Nashville was cold, yeah. by the way. You were cold? See, you're happy when you, you know, that's the thing. Like, you go up north, and I complain about the heat all the time down here because I'm a native, and it just it wears on me, but... Uh, then I'll go up north for a weekend or something. I'm like, why? Get me out of there. Get me the heck out of there. I hate to be cold. And why would people live in such a cold? Of course, Nashville isn't cold all the time. But, no, no. Just, um, but it was this weekend, this past Yeah, weekend. I mean, the lows were in the upper 20s, mm-hmm. you know, as you're walking around or going about town or waiting yeah. on an Uber, you know, whatever. Yeah. Get a little chilly. Well, we're we going to have baseball. The last I saw, and we're doing this. Today's podcast, the deadline. Today's son, the today's, deadline. Today is it. I mean, it's it's over, right? Allegedly, think, if there's no deal today, then uh, there's no baseball on opening day. I or at read least not, where, not a regular season game. I guess I could be doing spring training still at that point. I read Sunday where they made progress. I'm not sure what that means, but 
But every day this week, it's been make progress. And the next day, it was like, oh, they're never happening a deal. So, you know, yeah, I expect yeah. today to come out and it'll be awful or something. Because yeah. what I saw on Sunday was the owners said they made progress. Didn't That's see anything true. from the players. That's true. Well, I always say this when you're talking about, you know, agreements and, and collective bargaining, you don't. The best deal you get is right before the deadline. And when I mean right before the deadline, I mean sometimes they move the deadline by a couple hours. So if they don't get there, obviously today is the day. But I, if here's the other thing: are they is baseball just tone deaf about? I mean, we've seen the finances of the game; they're not suffering, folks. I mean, they there were some books put out there that some teams are well. The Atlanta Braves are publicly owned, so that's how we've seen some of their right. numbers. Their revenues are up. Kind of like the now Packers. The you see series, that. You but... see that in, uh, in the NFL yes, with the in Packers. Football. Mm-hmm. So, but there's just there's a big pie they got to divide up. And look, I don't have to remind everybody what the world is going through right now. You look kind of funny being, you know. I mean, there's a couple meetings. One that could determine the future of the world, you know, near Belarus, and and then this one. So. You know, don't be tone deaf. I mean, let's get this done, and and it's just sports, and it is a professional league, and I get all that. Um, but man, it it doesn't help either side to cancel games. It just doesn't. And what they've been through these last two years with the pandemic, they should have had. I was thinking about this yesterday too. We should have had a ton of spring training. I think it would have been their first weekend of games. Yeah, this weekend mistaken. would have been. Yeah. I think the yeah. Rays' first game would have been Friday, last Friday. Yeah, and you had you had this gorgeous weather, and I was just thinking about all those empty stadiums, you know, those spring training stadiums that communities have shelled out tons of tax money for, and there would be, you know, more than their fair share of tourists coming down here to watch those games, and who knows if they've all managed to come down there and, and do it without baseball, but um, it sure would be nice if uh, you could get a little return on that investment because they're already going to have a – I uh, would I imagine would be a, a shortened uh, spring training anyway, so that that's yeah, it's, already it's, it's interesting. I mean, baseball has said that if there's no deal by today, mm-hmm. then games are canceled. I don't believe the players believe that's true, right? And so, part of your, you know, the best deals before a deadline type deal is if you is don't believe really it's a really a deadline, or yeah, is that yeah, just yeah. a the owners mm-hmm. trying to force the players into a deal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the players would say they'd say, "Well, we'll play double headers," you know. Yeah, I we'll, get the we'll, we'll... I get the feeling on this negotiation, and this is just purely a feeling speculation about this. Uh huh. That both sides, particularly the owners, but both sides, it's not about the money. I mean, it always is about the money, <laughs> but but it's about winning. Yeah. It's about that. it's about we beat you in this negotiation, not about let's do what's best for the game and play, mm-hmm. and and let's best so that we can all make money because everybody's making money. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the fringe players, okay, there's some things there, but I mean, the the guys that are going to be in the big leagues this whole year, everyone's going to make money. The players are going to make money. The owners are going to make money. Oh yeah, but I I just in, in everything you hear and read, it's it's the negotiations becoming more about. I've got to say I beat you in this negotiation. Who declared victory? That's right. Instead, of, instead is, of we just came to a deal so that everyone can split up this big pie of money that we're having and everyone's going to you know, be happy and we're going to play ball. And that's all you're doing. You're splitting up the pie. You know, Everyone's going to eat. Everyone's going to get a piece of the pie. It's just, you know, are we going to divide it more equally? And 
And, uh, yeah, it, 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 there's plenty of money for all of them to go around. And it just seems, you know, I, I mean, the best deals are the ones where both sides walk away and they're not entirely happy. You know, the best deals is where you didn't get everything, they didn't get everything, you kind of agreed that you were both un, unsatisfied with it, you know, but it works, mm-hmm. right? It's an agreement. It's mm-hmm. a compromise. That's where you should meet is somewhere in the middle. Not everybody wins. Not everybody loses. You both kind of lose, you know? You have to give on this. They have to give on something else, and, and no one gets everything. And if you get there, uh, you live with it. That's what negotiate, negotiating in good faith is. Um, it doesn't mean you take my deal or leave it, and I don't have to take your deal or leave it. It's let's work to the middle here. Uh, in some cases, especially when you're talking about dollars, it seems fairly easy, right? You're apart by this much, go to the middle, and let's call it a deal. But that's not always the way it works. And there, I know there's a lot, it's a lot more complicated than just dividing the dollars because there's mm-hmm. things like arbitration and, you know, when you're eligible and, and, you know, how long a player's service begins and that sort of thing that could affect the raise for years and years to come. You should read Mark Tompkins' story in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com about um, how, how a new agreement will impact or potentially impact the raise. Um, but I just want baseball. You know, I just, I mean, fans don't care. They're like, just play. You know, we're, we're, we're actually paying the money, you know, the, the, the fans that buy the tickets, the networks that televise them, the people that buy the products off the networks. I mean, that's, that's who's paying the freight here. Um, somehow that gets lost sight, but uh, you just want baseball. So anyway, interesting weekend with the St. Pete Grand Prix with, uh, you know, with all the talks, of course, the, the news on Sunday with Ali Marpet. So we're off to a quick start in the week. And of course, hardly February's over today. Yeah, that's right. Final day. You're right. We go into March, and I'm going to be at uh, in, in Indianapolis on Tuesday. Um, tomorrow we'll uh, we'll preview sort of what the things that uh, we'll discuss with Jason Light and Bruce Arians. We have something else to discuss now. Their offensive line is suddenly disappearing. Um, but we'll discuss that with them on Tuesday up there around the 1 o'clock hour, I believe. And so we'll have stories all week uh, from Indianapolis. So I'll be up there Tuesday night and then come back Wednesday. We're going to have our mailbag segment. You can always send us mailbag questions. i got some in already unsolicited, but if you want to send them to us, you can do that on, at uh, SportsDayTB on Twitter. You can send it to me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Ersnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.